Dropping once. Now throwing long down the left side. Slaughter has it. He's going in for a touchdown. The Browns have won the game. Throwing deep down the left side. Slaughter is open. He got the ball. Joby, the guilty party, Watson deep for four, touchdown Texans! Where the Browns dropped to 0-6, losing 33-17 to the Houston Texans. It was a first half they'd soon like to forget, frankly, a game they would soon like to forget. Watson to the end zone, caught! Touchdown DeAndre Hopkins! His sixth of the season! Again, back to the drawing board for the Browns. Kevin Hogan came out, and he really struggled. We saw the Houston Texans see that he wanted to go short early, and then they pressed the coverage up, forced him to try to go deep. He kept missing high, and that led to turnover after turnover after turnover. Oh, yeah, no. It's just, no. If, I, if I'm going to change program, I'm going back to Deshaun. You know, that, that, that wasn't, you know, ever a different type of thought that way. I told you that I wanted him to see the game from a different lens. I don't know. I know you guys watch, all watch the game very closely, but probably in between almost every series, I had conversations with Deshaun. I wanted to make sure he was learning and growing and what he saw, and we went back and forth on things. He was really into it. Uh, I thought he'd seen some things that were he can grow from. I, I heard growth out of him, and I think that's what matters. Braxton Miller in motion. They flip it to him. Miller, touchdown! The Ohio State product scores against the Browns. You have to wonder what will happen at the quarterback position next week after Hogan struggled mightily against the Texans. I'm not going to let it get rocked by him. You know, I don't, I just like I told the team. Um, it's not fun. It doesn't feel good. It's, it's horrible. We don't like it. But this is the hand we're, we're, we're playing with. So we got to, the only guys, I'm going to say it again every week, the only guys that can fix it are the guys in the room. Coaches in the room, players in the room, it's not going to change. So what we got to do is stick together. Uh, we got to hold each other up, hold each other accountable, and we got to keep playing. And that's what we're going to do. This team is not going to quit. And Hugh Jackson's not quitting. I told you guys that before. I understand the narrative that's going to get said, everything that's going to be written. I really don't care. I care about the men in that room, those coaches and those players. And we're going to find a way to win. we got 10 more games. You know, We're going to find a way to win. I am not swimming in that lake. So you guys can believe that. So we're going to find a way. It's just that simple. Some strong words direct from the embattled coach of the Cleveland Browns. He ain't fixing to go swimming anytime soon. <laughs> my DBM brothers and sisters, I'm a Browns fan. I got my text from Hugh Jackson telling me to be ready. You're listening to Straight No Chaser. My name is Lonia Seven, dealing with my own state of denial right here on the DBN Network. This is a special Tuesday morning edition of Straight No Chaser. Uh, I'm going to come clean with you. Uh, my normal routine for a Sunday uh, consists of me getting the kids ready for bed and then parking myself on the couch, hoping against hope that the Browns will give me something to get excited about, something to cheer for. I mean, this year, I mean, mostly this year, uh, we've had about a quarter of watchable football before the wheels fall off, and this Sunday was no exception. But what was the exception for me was that 
This Sunday night, I went out with little or no intention of watching the game. Uh, what happened was, uh, for my birthday, a little while back, uh, my lady bought me some tickets to a show. And uh, when she gave them to me, I was, I was super excited until I looked at the, the tickets and I saw that there was going to be a direct conflict with the game on this Sunday. And when I noticed it, kind of a profane word sort of slipped out of my mouth. And as soon as she saw what I saw, and she kind of, I, you know, I kind of had to go into acting mode and, and you try to, you know, put on a pretty good face about, you know, what was happening. But fortunately for me, and you don't really know this about me, I happen to be a pretty decent actor. I put on a smile. And I tried to look happy, but deep down I wasn't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure she probably knew I wasn't that happy. She knows who I am. You know, Sundays are pretty sacred for me. I rarely miss a game. Um, I told you the story earlier on about how uh, this last Christmas Eve, the, the day when we had the Christmas Eve miracle when the Browns were able to avoid uh 0-16 season by beating the Chargers at home. On this day, it was a Christmas Eve day. I mean, my in-laws are scheduled a Christmas dinner like right at kickoff of this game. Uh, so for me, even in this situation, I found a way to kind of smuggle my phone in a safe position where I could really catch most of the action. I mean, this is the kind of fanatic I am about watching Browns games. I mean, I think I kind of angered some of those guys even telling the story right now. <laughs> but anyways, you know... I'm I'm kind of a degenerate Browns junkie. It's kind of awful. And, I, you know, I watched a little bit of the game on the ride into the show. But fortunately, uh, or maybe unfortunately, I pretty much saw all I needed to see of the game by the time we got there. I mean, I watched Peppers get absolutely torched by Will Fuller. And then I watched that dreadful pick six by Jonathan Joseph, him high-stepping from like the 40-yard line into the end zone. And all of a sudden, I mean, something to click. I mean, I'm watching it with my girl who she doesn't like give a hoot about football. You know, and I realized that it's been a priority for me to watch this team lose game after game after game. And they're losers the seven straight. And this regime is 1-21. And, and for this day, I mean, one day, I started to remember that there are some other things in life that can also be fulfilling in addition to just, you know, losing Browns football, I suppose, right? And, you know, as the night went on, as the night progressed, I all of a sudden realized that I had a far better night out doing whatever I would normally do than I would have, you know, spending watching that game all night and, you know, by myself in this house. So having said that, you know, I've realized I'm never going to give up my love for this team. I'm going to continue to try and bring you, the fans at uh, Dogs by Nature and you know other listeners to the DBN, the straight truth about this team to the best of my ability. And to be fair, the best of my ability isn't always that great. I mean, I get things wrong. Not more wrong than what I was about uh, Deshaun Watson. And earlier in this process, you know, I felt kind of good about Deshaun Watson, especially at the end of the year as, as, as the national championship game concluded. I remember in February during exercises with Easy, uh, trying to talk about our the pick we wanted at 12, picking our big board of 12 players. And early on, I really felt that Watson would be the guy that we would end up taking. But, you know, after his uh, 49 mile per hour showing at the Combine, 
really looking at him and seeing some of the flaws that he had on tape. I mean, even looking at him now, he doesn't look like he's throwing seeds or pills or anything, man. He's just like throwing it out, but he seems to be able to throw with so much anticipation and can get the ball out so quickly and use the skills uh, you know, to the maximum point of ability that he looks a lot better than he was advertised to be. And my boy L-Dog, uh, the guy who did a podcast with me at the first, uh, the first day of training camp, he told me that Watson was the truth. And I know uh, what I watched in the offseason and the preseason, but I cannot deny what I saw. Man, oh man, this guy started to make me feel depressed. And not only has the losing kind of clouded my perspective, but I'm starting to learn lessons like the ones in Aesop's fable. I don't know if you guys know the story of the fox and the grapes. Um, but in the end, this, this fox is out there trying to reach these grapes. And, and since he can't get them, in the end, he goes away in disgust and says the grapes are just sour. And that's probably much how I am being about Deshaun Watson and also about Carson Wentz. Like, I'm thinking to myself, hey, I didn't want these guys anyways, but when I look at their records, I look at what these guys are doing as young quarterbacks in the league. I can only look and and, and feel a sense of, like, I don't know, disgust at my level of denial at what these players have done in the NFL. You know, I see myself, you know, slowly becoming that fox in the story. And the action of becoming the fox is a little reminiscent of Kind of the work of Kubler-Ross. I don't know if anybody has ever read um, The Denial of Death. It's, it's a book by this guy named Becker. One of the few books that has changed my life uh, after reading it. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Browns fan. And, and I'm constantly dealing with the state of losing. Terrorized by this in, 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 some, in, in some, so many words. And as a Browns fan, I would say that this forces me to deal with the five stages of grief that Kubler-Ross talks about in her famous paper. Um, of course, the five stages of, of, of grief are this. Of course, the first one is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And Kubler-Ross stated that, you know, even though usually it's used to describe things like death, serious issues, it also can be used to, to describe people's reaction to, 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 to grief-stricken situations like what happens in Cleveland for sure. And Cooper Ross also believed that, you know, for, for women, typically, or tip more, more likely than men, women were to go through all five stages kind of in order, starting with denial and going through to acceptance. But men, for some reason, kind of jump around on these steps and kind of go back and forth from, you know, other steps. And, you know, women do this as well. But for me especially... I kind of keep myself stuck in the first phase of dealing with the, this, the losses is kind of like going to a, a place of denial. And this is pretty much what I'm doing with some of the things that I, I do with the Browns. And I'm listening to the, 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 you know, some of the things that I'm saying in the week's games and feeling optimistic about a Houston game, for example, you know, kind of really not looking at what I'm going to actually you know, expect to see this week. And hopefully I can work my way through this. And I want to spend a lot of time being angry. Actually, I don't spend too much time being angry when it comes to dealing with the Browns. I get upset a little bit, but I don't like to spend there too too much time in that in that feeling because in the end, it makes me feel even worse. Mostly, I spend my time bargaining and second-guessing, asking questions like this. The front office, are they finally being exposed as frauds? 
Is it even worth it for one more snap to keep starting Kevin Hogan? If not, why aren't we starting uh, Kessler now? Or maybe Kaiser should come back. Why did this team try to skimp on wideout? At what point would it have made a difference if we would just made a deal with Pryor? Why didn't this team draft Obi Melifonwu? Why didn't we keep the players? Uh, why didn't we keep the players that we drafted that are now with other teams? Don't they know that supplemental picks are a losing proposition? When people pay for your free agents, you lose valuable experience for what? And of course, bargaining with Jabril Pepper angst, man. Jabril Peppers was absolutely awful this game. And I feel like the Browns are continually exposing this dude in a position where he totally is not helpful for the team. I mean, defense is one of those things where you have 11 guys on, on, on the field, and when one guy's not doing their job, the whole defense looks absolutely pathetic. What are we doing in this organization? You know, at 0-8, I was saying before, somebody's probably going to need to be removed from their position. And I find myself thinking this again. Why does people have to be scapegoated for this team? Do we have to do this again? Is Haslam actually committed to the roller coaster ride that Deepodessa described when he was first hired? And what about the fans? All the Fairweather fans have found something to do. If and when the Browns are 0-8, I think we need to hear directly from Jimmy Haslam himself about what he's thinking. And if he gives signals uh, that he's considering cleaning house, then we as fans have a choice to make. Me personally, I don't think I'm just going to sit passively and accept indefinite losing. I've loved this team my entire life, and I can't stand to see the state that it's in. Listen, because I'm going to say this clearly. I'm going to echo the words of what Easy has said and say what I've been saying uh, for the last six, seven months. The only chance the Browns have to get better is by staying the course. We have to let these guys learn how to better weather the storms that they're facing right now. At the end of the montage, Hugh reiterated that he and his team are going to have to fight. And uh, as a true fan of this team, I am also going to fight as they fight. I mean, being a Browns fan, it's really a test of fortitude, which is why dogs by nature is the place that it is. I mean, it's a bad situation. Really, really bad. The roster is not ready to win. We probably need another draft before there's even enough talent to fill the decent enough squad to live up to what Easy said a successful season would be for this year, 4-12. and 12. Part of getting past denial is being honest with yourself. The team, in some ways, has been at least honest. They stopped playing Peppers in single high safety, although they still keep playing him out of position. You know, they, they didn't sleep on the wideouts. They tried to get better through their injuries. They got Treggs. Treggs looks okay. Williams is starting to warm up. Hopefully, Hughes sees the error of his ways. I don't even know. Maybe it wasn't even an error. Who knows? Maybe he returns Kaiser back to his role within one week as opposed to the three weeks is what I was thinking about before. And it may be that Hugh didn't want to expose Kaiser directly to the experience he would have in going directly with, against Watson to avoid the comparisons right away. I mean, he's always stated that Kaiser's in the team plans. Maybe the plans are for him to rest for a week and come back after sitting on the sideline. 
And hopefully the Browns can watch the Texans game and pivot quickly to the Titans because it looks like a winnable game at home this week. But at this point, for the Browns, is any game actually winnable? In the words of the great Richard Pryor, I guess we will see. We will see. And with that, we'll put this one in the books. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for this and all the shows at the DBN. Please leave a comment in the comment section. We appreciate all of your feedback uh, as we <laughs> go to have discussions about this team. Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I am your host, Thelonious 7 on the DBN Network. Take care. Gasson is kneeling in the 17, 37-yard attempt to kick his off. It is good. The Browns have won the game. The Browns have won the game in double overtime. 23 to 20, and the stadium is gone for sure. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast keep telling you we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.